get yourself a blue hymnal, if you will. And we're going to sing number 257. 257. if you would. It's good to have our visitors with us today. We're glad you're here. I'm glad you all are healthy enough to be here. Amen. Oh man, a week amen like that. You might be sick next week. <laughs> Let's all stand if you can. 
Rich McGee, would you open us in prayer, please? Amen. Please do be seated. Just a couple of announcements is um, a couple things is we're going to be having revival with Brother Jeremy Taylor the first week of February. And uh, I think you're going to love him. He and his family are going to be here. They're just wonderful people. He's a good friend. And uh, I love hearing him preach every time he preaches. I think you're going to enjoy him. Um, if you'd like to minister to them, they're going to be here for a whole week. Maybe you'd like to provide a meal or have them over for a meal. They haven't said that. I think they're a family of six, okay, just so you know, planning-wise. And uh, their oldest is somewhere in the 14, 15 range, probably down to seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah, so they're they're in their, their teens to low teens, so... But uh, if, you'd like, if you'd like to have them, they're just a wonderful family. I, I'd encourage you. There's a sign-up list back there if you'd like to help in any way. And then there's also a sign-up list for the marriage conference. And um, in times past, we've always, uh, any uh, couples who are faithful attenders, church members, we want to strengthen our families by encouraging you to go to that. And, and we help make a way by paying the, uh, the, the tuition and so if you'd like to sign up for that, now you need to know they do it different. It's Thursday, Friday, Friday, Saturday now. And so you need to tell us if you're going to go Tuesday, excuse me, Thursday, Friday, or Friday, Saturday. And then if you want an extra day, you can sign up for stuff like that. Those of you who have done it in the past probably know. But we just need to start getting ready for that. We have till the end of the month, but it would be nice to know basically who wants to go. Uh, I will warn you, I am preaching this year, so pray for me. They're just so excited. <laughs> I will tell you this. He, uh, you know that in the book, he always has to fill in the blank, and um, nobody ever does their messages, and so there's very seldom fill in the blanks. Well, my message is due this week for the fill in the blank, so pray for me. I want to make sure I get her done. All right, it shouldn't be a problem. I'm mostly done with it. But um, do be in prayer for the marriage conference, and please do sign up so that we can start knowing about that. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings at this time for men will come. I'm glad that y'all are here. I know, I know this cold and flu season has been awful. It seems like it started early October and it just hasn't relented. But uh, let's do pray for one another and, and just uh, glad that y'all could be here today. Brandon, why don't you ask the Lord's blessing, please? Amen.
Thank you, ma'am. All right, we're in the book of John this morning, so turn to the book of John, please. Book of John. John chapter 5. We're going to be looking at one of the saddest men to me in the Bible uh, just because of what he did with a meeting with Jesus Christ. I, I don't know about you, I, uh, a couple things I, you know, grieve me pretty easily and for somebody to waste something is, is, is kind of a grief. And this man, as far as I'm concerned, wasted an opportunity to interact with our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and he did nothing with it. And I pray that if you're here today and God's speaking to your heart, First off, I pray that we had opportunity through our, our giving and our singing to worship God where our hearts are prepared to receive. And now we just eagerly come and say, Lord, speak to me. Not, I hope we get this over with. I, I, I will just tell you this. I've sat in churches where sometimes they give you a schedule and you just kind of check off things, you know. Like, oh, we're done with that. We're done with that. We're done with that. And can I just tell you, that's kind of an awful way to go to church. Would to God we'd come and we'd say, God, speak to me. I, uh, I remember uh, Miss Ann, you know, I, I'd always apologize for, uh, for not finishing and, I, you know, because I believe in finishing on time. And, and she says, well, you could have kept preaching as far as I was concerned because <laughs> uh, she was just so hungry. And uh, would to God, we could all be hungry this morning. Amen. And, uh, and so if you would, John chapter five, beginning in verse one, the Bible says after this, there was a feast of the Jews. Uh, as far as I understand, my understanding is probably the Passover, okay, so it's Passover time. The Bible says, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, okay, it's, it's people that, impotent means without strength or ability, okay, they're, they're sick people. And then he describes, he says, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole and whatsoever, uh, of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had now been a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. On the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was uh, uh, cured, It is the Sabbath day, it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. And he answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then answered they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? By the way, they're, they're angry. They've just violated the law. You guys understand that? Anybody know the penalty for working on the Sabbath? Death. It sounds extreme, but that is the penalty. And so when they're, when they're angry, they said, Who told you to do that? I mean, it wasn't, Hey, who told you to do that? You guys understand? Uh, the Bible says, uh, and, and he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away 
a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. By the way, I'll remind you, how many times has Jesus done a miracle or some great teaching and he would say, don't tell anybody. And you say, well, why would he do that? He just told you. He just told you. And the Bible says, verse 17, it says, But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing your praises here this morning. And Father, we just pray that you would be with all those who are apart from us. Help us to cast all our cares upon you. Help us not to have anxiety now. Help us not to be worried for them. We know that they're in your capable hands. And Father, we just pray that you would meet with us now. We have worshipped you with our giving. We have worshipped you in song. And Father, we pray that our hearts are tender and receptive to your word. Father, help us not to be thinking, well, that's a good message for someone else. Father, I pray that you would speak to us. And then give us opportunities to minister it throughout the week. We love you, and we just pray that all this would be done for your glory. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the impotent man in our text was a man made too weak by his, il- uh, by his illness to keep himself into the healing waters of the pool of Bethesda, meaning that he went there knowing that there was opportunity to be healed, but he also knew that it probably wasn't going to be him again. Okay? Bethesda... Literally, if you look it up, it it means the house of kindness. And God, for some reason, was sending an angel at this season, and the Bible says at at certain seasons, meaning I kind of believe that he probably did it during Passover, uh, Pentecost, and then Tabernacles. He probably did it when everybody was assembled. And uh, why he he doesn't explain why he did it. The Bible doesn't explain anything. But I would just tell you this, God was doing it. God, they were seeing results, amen. And so they were anticipating God moving. Uh, by the way, this isn't part of the message, but wouldn't it be nice if we just kind of lived our lives like that? Hey, God, when are you going to do something? When are you going to move something? When are you going to stir something? Amen. And uh, live in that sense of anticipation. But the sad truth is, in the house of kindness, he had found no kindness there. And others had taken advantage of his weakness to get into the pool before him to get their needs met first. And by the way, isn't that the kind of world that we live in? You know, everybody's there, and everybody's looking for opportunity, and everybody's looking for their advantage, for their healing and their moment. And folks, think about this. This this poor fellow had suffered with this impotence, the Bible says, for 38 years. I've got to imagine that was the vast majority of his life he has been in this case. And he has been sitting there hoping for a miracle one day. Maybe nobody will be paying attention, and I can get up and get to the pool. But even when Jesus asked, he said, well, I, I doubt that that happens, okay? And yet he took and he went. You know, I want you to think about this when it comes to the things of God and, and uh, this impotent man. And by the way, uh, all of us are impotent, meaning what? In the sense that we're all needy people. We're all weak, amen? He alone is mighty. He alone is able. He alone is the one that can save, amen? And so this man literally in the house of kindness had no hope. Unless, first off, he was sought out. Because that's what happened in verses 1 through 9. We see that Jesus Christ took and and sought him out for healing. 
in, inside of a crowd, it, 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 remember how I, I said in Sunday school that one of the advantages of being an older preacher is you're not so focused on defining words and, and trying to get everything right in the context. You can kind of step back a little bit and, and, and try to see the picture. And uh, how many of y'all have been out to the, the pavilion out here in Monette? You guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, down by the train tracks? Okay, it's, it, if you will, it's a metal structure, and you got your pillars and everything like that. Well, back then, they would have these same thing, except they would have the colonnades, okay, the marble columns or the stone columns like that, and it would hold up a roof. It was an area that was called a portico, and, uh, and people would assemble there. They would gather there. They would go to get out of the sun. It was designed for the pilgrims or the people who had made the journey to Jerusalem for the different feasts, and it would give them a place of rest and respite, if you could. And, and God, for some reason, had taken this pool of Bethesda and made it known that he was going to send an angel down there. And if you got in, the, the first one in after the, 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 the water was stirred, you were going to be healed of whatever disease that you had. Now, I don't know about you, but if you made that pilgrimage and you knew that that was an opportunity to be there, how many of y'all would probably camp out there overnight? I, I want you to know this place was full. This place was packed. There was a whole bunch of people there looking with anticipation, hoping that they would be the one, amen. But uh, by and large, let's, let's be honest, it was only the few that got in. I don't know how many times the angel stirred the pond. The Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't tell us how many people had been saved, uh, if you will, delivered from their impotence or their sickness, if you will. But there was a crowd there looking, and the Bible describes what was there. The Bible says there were diverse, impotent folks. Literally, people who were too weak or too infirm uh, to help themselves, okay? I've uh, had opportunity the last couple of weeks to make a number of hospital visits, and, and listen, I, oh, you hate to even bring stuff like this up, but please take this the right way. I've made far more hospital visits than I've made visits to the hospital. You guys know what I'm talking about? And can I just tell you, I count myself fortunate all the time. Thank God. God has given me a relatively healthy body, and God has kept me in relative health. And so I praise the Lord that I haven't had to spend a lot of time there. But every time I have to go to a hospital, I, I think about that. I think, boy, I, I, I tell you what, get, get the help that you need to get out of here. Amen. Amen. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says these are the illnesses they were struggling with. Verse 3, the Bible says that they were blind. Literally, there were there people who could not see. And think about this. People who cannot see, they, they have their routines. They count their steps. They, they know where they are. But, folks, you've got to remember these people are pilgrims. They've been on a journey. They're in an unfamiliar place. They're having to be led about by the hand because they do not know where they are. Okay, And so, if you will, the Bible says that the blind were there. The Bible says the halt were there. Those are people who are limping. The people are, cannot walk. That's what that means. And so, people who couldn't get up and walk. And it doesn't say exactly what his illness was, but it was probably along this line here. He couldn't walk. And then the Bible says that they were withered, or that word withered means dried up. And what do I mean by that? Have you ever seen somebody with like an arm that's kind of dried up and it's just unusable, okay? And that's what it means, withered or dried up. And so some part of their body was withered or dried up and unusable, okay? And so that is the nature. People who couldn't see and couldn't walk and couldn't use their arms. And those are the type of people there who are waiting for the stirring of the waters, hoping, if you will, that, that they could be the one to get in immediately after the stirring. Folks, I want you to think about this. Look what it says in verse 5. The Bible says that he had been suffering from this infirmity for 38 years. 
Any of y'all get tired of being sick after a week? Now, I'm not going to go around the room, but some of y'all have been sick for four, five, six weeks. Y'all tired of it yet? I just thought I'd get more amens there. Actually, more amen. <laughs> I should joke about that a little bit. But you, you get tired of being sick? 38 years. 38 years. 38 years that he still hadn't given up on hoping that maybe he could be delivered from this terrible thing. We see here, if you will, that he was in a crowd that was seeking healing. He was at a pool of an angel that stirred the waters. Amen. Verse 4, the Bible says this. Now, I, I told you about the description of, of the area, the portico and the columns and everything like that. And no doubt this was done so that Jesus might be revealed as to who he is. What do I mean by that? Why in the world was the angel stirring the waters? Stirring the waters, stirring the waters, stirring the waters. Who knows how many years this has been happening? Who knows the first time it had happened? Can I ask you a question? Any of you got an, any idea why God would do something like this? Because I got one. I got one. Would you go with me in the book of John? It's amazing how the book of John uh, illustrates itself quite often. But go to the uh, book of John and look at, um, uh, look at chapter 9, if you will. Go to... Uh, John chapter 9. And the Bible says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Verse 1, you all see that? How long have he been blind? From his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? By the way, it was a logical, legitimate question. And Jesus answered, Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. The Bible says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And his whole point is this. I tell you why this man was born blind, so I could heal him. Amen. Why? Because I've only got a certain period of time on this earth to take and to do my work. And God has to, in a sense, pave the way for me. My father has paved the way for me. He sent, if you will, John the Baptist for that very purpose. He, he, he had this boy to be born blind. He said, what did he do? What did his parents do? They did nothing. They did nothing, but he's here so that I might manifest who I am before this whole world. Why was God sending an angel? Can I tell you this? I don't know, but I know this. It made it so that God could teach, and we'll look at it next week, a very important lesson of the fact that, you know, God just wants you to listen to what he has to say. Well, think about this. A 38-year-old, uh, not year old, but he's been suffering 38 years. Amen. Gets healed. How many of y'all think that might get a few people's attention? Amen. Why did God do that? Well, it's so that God could do his works. Help me for a second. Why do things happen in our lives? Well, folks, so that God can manifest himself in our lives so that his word might be revealed to a lost and dying world. Amen. The Bible says uh, it was also done in this season, I believe, it was done this season. Remember what I said? The Bible says it was done at certain seasons, okay? Well, to me, that's, again, Passover, Pentecost, okay, tabernacles. Why? Because all the nation of Israel was there, amen. And everything God did, he wanted to make sure that when he went to Jerusalem, he wanted to get the maximum benefit, the maximum impact, okay. And so why did it happen at this time? It's because there was a lot of people there. There was a lot of people looking, okay. And so if you will, this man was sought out. Now go back to our text in John chapter 5. Look at verse 6, okay. 
How many times was he reached out to? Okay. Well, the Bible tells us twice. Okay. Look at what he says in verse 6. Jesus comes to him, and in John uh, 5, in verse 6, he says this. He says, When Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, here's what he said, he said, Will thou be made whole? By the way, let's put that in English that we can understand. Do you want to be healed? Come on now, amen? Do you want to be healed? And he had to take him to look up. By the way, who sought him out? By the way, he's sitting by the pool. Of course he wanted to be healed, amen? And so when everybody else, by the way, this man wouldn't get any attention except from the Lord. And the Lord comes up to him. Hey, you want to be healed? Amen? Hey, Lord, I got no way to help me. Amen? He didn't call him Lord because he never believed in him, Lord. But anyhow, look at verse 14. In verse 14, he come to him again because the Bible says as soon as he... Think, think about it. This is how he had him. Jimmy, appreciate you sitting there right there. Could you imitate a 38-year-old lame man? Very good. <laughs> and you got a crowd. You remember how the woman came up that had the issue of blood, and she reached out and touched him? And, and he said, who touched me? And his disciples went, are you crazy? Paraphrasing. He says, you're being thronged by a multitude of people. You want to know who touched you? He says, yeah, but one of them, virtue went out of me. Amen. And so, if you will, there's this huge crowd. There's the hustle and bustle. There's the, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Amen. And Jesus comes up to him and he says, do you want to be healed? Amen. Well, I don't have anybody to help me. He says, take up that bed and walk. Took up his bed and he got up and he walked. And the Bible says Jesus went to the crowd. They said, who healed you? He said, I don't know. I have no idea. The guy healed me and he left. Okay? I, I don't know who. So Jesus comes back. Amen? He comes back. He says, don't do it again. It won't come back to you again. Did he warn him? Verse 14. Do you all see that? He says this. He says, don't sin again lest a worse thing happen to you. Amen? And by the way, in thanking everybody, he goes and he says, that's the guy who healed me. I just want you to think about this individual who Jesus sought out twice. Do you want to be healed? Absolutely. He comes back, and in a sense, he says, I'm the one who healed you. Didn't hug him. Didn't kiss him. Didn't fall at his feet. Come on. This man's been waiting 38 years to be able to walk upright. <laughs> Amen. Jesus gives him exactly what he wants. And he goes and tattles on Jesus. So that Jesus is in trouble instead of him. See he was in trouble for carrying his bed. Come on. Jesus sought him out twice. Do you want to be healed? Verse 14 again. I got to read this again. Wilt thou be made whole? Meaning this. You got your physical health. You want your spiritual health too? Come on. Jesus is the one that reached out. Folks, listen to me now. And, and by way of testimony, if you want to, any of y'all trusted Christ as your Savior? Did, did God have to reach out to you more than once, anybody here? You guys know my testimony because I believe the Lord reached out many times to me until the last time he reached out to me. And the way he got my attention was by remembering the invitation song, God's Final Call. 
meaning I understood God was saying, this is the last time I'm going to do this. And let me let you in a little secret. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, there is going to be a last time God knocks. There's going to be a last time. Amen. Would you go to John chapter 6, look at verse 37. John chapter 6, verse 37. The Bible says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. By the way, how many of y'all believe that? I'm not trying to be controversial. It's the Word of God. How many of y'all believe the Word of God? Thank you. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Meaning, if God gave you to me and you come to me, you're in. Got it? For I come down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And God's not willing that any should perish. You want to be saved? I'm here to save you. Amen. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, and of all that, all which hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should rise again at the last day. And by the way, he said at the end of this passage, he didn't lose anybody except the man of perdition, but he knew about the man of perdition. Judas Iscariot, he knew about him. By the way, he's not one of his. The Bible says, this is the will of him that has sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have, say it with me, everlasting life. And I will raise him up again at the last, raise him up at the last day. Uh, the Bible tells us, it says, the Jews then murmured at him because he had said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. By the way, he just got done feeding 5,000 men from one seven-piece lunch. And they took up 12 baskets of fragments. Amen? And so he says, I'm the bread that came down from him. Can I just tell you this? I'd give you a few seconds to give him the benefit of the doubt. Amen? And they said after this in verse 42, Then said, that, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Then therefore answered and said, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. By the way, you guys heard me teach what that means, right? They're all going, Right? He knows what they're talking about. And then he says in verse 44, He says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. By the way, that's the third time he said that. I will raise him up at the last day. Okay, here's, here's my whole point. You come to me and call on me, I'll save you. But you can't come to me except my Father is drawing you. How many of y'all remember when God drew you? Praise God you responded. There's not a person in this room who woke up some Sunday morning and said, I think I'm going to go to church today and get saved. Where God wasn't working on your heart. Amen. And maybe you heard a message. Maybe the conviction got on. Maybe God spoke to you during the week. Maybe, I, all I know, maybe just God walked by and he said this. He said, would you like to be healed? Amen. And you knew God was speaking to you. By the way, how many of y'all think he knew Jesus was speaking to him? He didn't go, anybody here like to be saved? 
I'm not trying to be clever. When God speaks to you, would you like to be saved? Come on. And he did it once, and he did it twice, and then he betrayed him, and I don't know that he ever got spoken to by the Lord again. The Bible doesn't say he got saved, and there is no evidence of salvation. None. And yet God healed him from 38 years of impotence, inability to live a normal life. And he gave him the greatest gift next to everlasting life by giving him his legs back. Amen? God sought him out, if you will. We see that the man was sought out. We see that the man was a sinner. Look what the Bible says in verse 14. Back in chapter 5, verse 14, the Bible says this. It says, Afterward findeth him in the temple, and he said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Say it with me. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon thee. Come to thee. You know, I want you to think about this. Remember when the woman caught in adultery came? We talked about her a couple weeks ago. Was she guilty of adultery? She was caught in the very act. Now, was there some hypocrisy going on? Yeah, where's the man? Amen? And they're all saying, what should we do? By the way, what was the penalty for, for working on the Sabbath? How come they didn't just kill him? See, they were all talk. No action. Because they all want somebody else to fulfill the law. Right? So Jesus said, He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And then he bent down and started writing in the... Amen? Amen? And then one by one, as they were convicted in their own conscience, well, I'm not without sin, I'm not without sin, I'm not without sin. Amen? Jesus then... Woman, where are those thine accusers? No man, Lord. What did he say to her? Go and sin. He didn't say, well, you didn't do anything wrong. You're okay. No, no. You know, he, he said, he said, I don't condemn you. God didn't come to condemn us. God came to save us. Amen? And can I just tell you, I... I I don't know about that woman either, but I, I suspect that she followed the advice, go and sin no more. And praise the Lord. Everything I hope worked out for her, amen. This same one, he says, don't do it again or something worse. By the way, something worse is going to happen to him if I'm right. He's going to go to hell someday. The wages of sin is death, amen. And God sought him out, said, hey, you want to be healed? Yeah, I want everything this world has to offer. <laughs> I want to walk. Oh, You're not concerned anything about the next world. You see, the Jews, if you will, they're the, offic the officials, the authorities in the temple. And, and, and they, they knew. That, listen, the penalty is death. They, they weren't going to stone him. Okay? But you know what they were going to do? They were going to turn his testimony into a way to have Jesus killed. Amen. They were looking for a way to have Jesus killed. Okay, and so they could really care less about this man. So if you will, like the woman, Jesus did not come to condemn him, but to set him free from his sin. Again, we're in the book of John. Look at John chapter 8. Look at verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31. 
The Bible says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. Say it with me, and the truth shall make you free. Then answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? And Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, saying to you, Whosoever committeth sin, say it with me, is the servant of sin. Y'all see that? We've never been in bondage to any man. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Meaning you're servants of sin. Go and sin no more. Something worse is going to happen to you. Woman caught in adultery, I'm not going to condemn you. Go and sin no more. Amen. Listen, I'm long-suffering, I'm merciful, and I will give you grace. Amen. But know this, if you continue to serve sin, something worse is going to happen to you. The Bible says, And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, say it with me, ye shall be free indeed. Would to God that we could be truly free from the bondage of our bodies and from our sin. And, and if you will, if you will, verse 34 here literally means this. Stop practicing your sin and you'll be made free. Meaning what? As long as you keep smoking those cigarettes, you're in bondage. So long as you can't control your tongue, you're in bondage. So long as you can't forgive those who sin against you, you're the one in bondage. Amen. And God says this. He says, if you want to be free, stop practicing your sin. How many of y'all are going to sin next week? Well, I'm the only one that raised. There you go. Two of us here. I appreciate it. <laughs> the rest gave a sin like this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But can I just say this? How many of y'all are going to feel guilty about it and try to do something about it? I hope so, because if you be without chastisement, you're none of his. Okay? And if you keep practicing sin, you are the one who's in bondage. Rebellion is as the sin of... Is witchcraft a bad sin? And do we live in a rebel's world? And by the way, when do we rebel? But when you're young. Well, when everything still works. That's a joke here. How many we got rebels over the age of 50 here too? Yeah, okay. God says this. He says this. If you want to be free, confess your sin, forsake your sin, and you shall be free indeed. Amen. Can I just tell you this? I, I imagine that this man went back to his life. I, I just do. I imagine this man went back to his life. And if he didn't repent, something worse did happen to him. Amen. Stop practicing your sin in verse 34. Start trusting God and his word. Verse 31 in our text there in, in, in John 8. And then in verse 36, allow Jesus Christ to set you free. And I will tell you this, all you got to do is ask the Lord, Lord, should I be doing this? Should I be feeling this? Should I be saying this? Amen. And if you will let him direct your steps, you will be freed in, free indeed. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now, notice this. It seems that he did not take this opportunity to be saved. You know how I know that? He wasn't thankful. He wasn't thankful. Uh, remember the, remember the demon-possessed man of Gadara? He was so raging and so angry that chains couldn't hold him. 
He was cut all over his body because he was so tormented. Amen. He had to live in a cave because he couldn't be in human society. And then when Jesus saved his soul, all the demons were gone. Amen. And he was seated and clothed and in his right mind. And Jesus says, I got to go. And he says, please let me come with you. Why? Because nobody's ever shown me compassion like that. I just want to be with you. And you go home and tell everybody what great things Christ has done for you. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Boom. He went and did it. I don't know about you. I'm kind of looking forward to meeting that man. Amen. We've got all eternity to do it. I'm sure we'll cross paths. Amen. He was not thankful. And then in verse 10, back in our text, in John chapter 5, he turned, he turned the people over to the temple. He turned Jesus over to the temple authorities. Folks, the Jews were the ones that sent the scribes and the Pharisees to John the Baptist to quiz him. The Jews, that word Jew there, if you will, those are the temple authorities, not just people from the nation of Israel. Okay? And so, if you will... Uh, he turned them in. They were worried about keeping their power by enforcing the law. Hypocritically. Don't carry that mat. It's against the law. They didn't care about that mat. Amen. Um, by the way, they probably had broken a number of laws just being there that day. I tell you what they wanted to do. Listen to me. They wanted to keep others from trusting Jesus as their Savior. That's all they wanted. That's all they cared about. Amen. Folks, that's kind of the world that we live in today if you will. You know, um, this is the work of the devil when the Lord is working in the hearts of men. What do I mean by that? Well, you remember how Jesus is the sower and he goes forth to sow. What does he sow? He sows the word of God into the hearts of men. True? And the Bible says, some falls along the wayside and the fowls of the air who he equates with the devil and his demons. Come and immediately eat up the word so that it produces no fruit, okay? And, and can I tell you this? A, a lot of you, even right now, as the word's going out, you, you're ignoring it, you're not listening to it, and it's not going to impact you. Why? Because the devil got you. The devil got you. He don't care about nothing. It's just as long as you don't listen to Jesus and his word. Amen. And some of you might get excited for a moment. I mean, it'll spring up, and then you're going to face persecution at school. Oh, you're just a goody-two-shoes now, aren't you? Or don't witness to me because blah, 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 right? And you're going to face a little resistance, and it's going to get too hard, and you're going to wither, and you're going to die because that's what the devil does. And maybe you're going to take and, you know, just amongst the stones, you know, uh, again, you know, difference between persecution and the shallowness of your, your faith, and it just goes away. Amen. And all the devil cares is that it didn't produce life. Sustaining life. Everlasting life. Amen. Please take this the right way. Some people are very glad to have God in their lives to give them what they want. I have no man to put me in the pool. By the way, he'd have been just as satisfied if Jesus would have just put him in the pool. You guys understand? No, he, Jesus did better. Well, you're healed. Take up your bed and walk. Don't you think it would be a time for... Come see a man told me everything I ever did. Amen.
But the devil got there and took it out. The devil had a little persecution that was too shallow to survive. The heat got turned up and it withered and it died. Amen. I, I, please forgive me. I, I'm not trying to pick on a religion today, but I, I was driving past the church this week. And as I drove past the church, I thought about all it takes to be in a right relationship with that church. Is it, you do a few things that makes the church happy, then they impart a blessing to you, and then you get to go sin for another week until you go and get right. And lest you think I'm talking about just one kind of church, folks, there's a lot of churches where go, people go to feel good for a little while. And then they go back to their life the same way they came and unchanged. And God reached out. Can I, can I just say this? God has reached out today through the songs and through the classes and through the preaching and maybe through the fellowship. Amen. And some of us are going to leave here changed. Amen. And some of us are going to leave here the way we came. And can I tell you, that's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. Because other than the fact he could walk, he left unchanged. And by the way, he left betraying Jesus Christ. Amen. I think about that. Did I tell you he's one of the saddest men in the Bible to me? Jesus did a tremendous miracle for him. He was unthankful, ungrateful, unchanged. And by the way, something worse did happen to him if he stayed that way. Because one day, he's going to stand before the Lord. And he might think he's going to have a wonderful reason why he didn't do. And literally, Jesus is going to be able to give him that knowing glance. Have you ever done that to somebody? See somebody complaining, whining about somebody, give them the knowing glance, and they just like, you know you deserve that spanking. You know you deserve that speeding ticket. Let's hear somebody want to confess something I can use for a great illustration right now. That man's going to come up there and say, oh, I don't deserve to go to hell. And Jesus is going to look at him and he's going to say, I reached out to you twice, face to face, healed you and gave you your second greatest need. And you betrayed me. Amen. And I don't think Jesus is going to have to say a word. I think he's just going to look at him and he's going to go. You remember how Jesus went to the cross? The Bible says he went to the cross dumb as a lamb before his shearers. And folks, that has nothing to do with intelligence. That has to do with the ability to speak. And folks, he didn't cry out, I didn't do it, it's not fair, why are you doing this to me? Not one time. But folks, when he faced our judgment, he did it dumb. As a lamb before the shearers. And I think when the guilty come and stand before God, they're going to come and they think they're going to say something and then they're just going to go. 
because they're going to know. God, you did reach out to me, and God, I did know, and God, I should have, but I didn't. He's one of the saddest men. It would be a sad thing if anybody was here today and didn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That man was a sellout. He sold out to the temple authorities. Now listen to me, and, and, and I'll be done. But folks, you're going to sell out to Jesus, or you're going to sell out to Satan. You just need to choose which one. Did you go to John 6? We'll read it, and I'll be done. John 6, look at verse 60. After he said he was the bread that came down from heaven, the Bible says in verse 60, it says, Many therefore his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Okay? And then if you skip down a little bit, in verse 66 it says, From that time many of the disciples went back and walked no more with him. Amen. All because he told them the truth. He is the bread that came down from heaven. Amen. And then said Jesus unto the twelve. Folks, listen now. He looked at him, and he said, will you also go away? Amen. Aren't you glad for Peter? To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. You, you know what he said? Lord, we're sold out. I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. Now, did he have a hiccup? Yeah, but you know what? He finished his course pretty good. He sure did. And we might have a hiccup or two. But folks, let me just tell you, you're going to sell out to somebody. And you're going to follow somebody. And unfortunately, this man followed the Jews in the temple. I'm sure he lived to regret it. Would to God he would have followed Jesus like the demon-possessed man of Gadara. If God's spoken to your heart, if anyway, if, if, if you have a burden for someone, you just want to lay their name before the Lord, why don't you come as we sing? Let's all stand, if you would. Again, the invitation, as always, is from the Lord. Don't come for me. But if God's spoken to your heart, and if you need somebody to talk.